All Things Automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. So before we go into the petrol head, Nico Smith, let's just uh, go to that particular choice of song. That's the Big Fat Juicy, and it's the choice of Lebo Matoza, and I love music. That does take us back a while. We do love music. And Andronicus from near Tiger Lodge says, uh, it makes me feel melodious and reminds me of how Lebo was a good singer. She really was. Seeing Tembe on TV always reminds me of Lebo's music. Ain't that the truth, Andronicus? Nevertheless, as you heard, it's all things automotive, and we are moving into our petrol head. Nico, I've been promoting all morning that you're going to do um, an electric <laughs> car, but actually, rumor has it, you're holding on that until next week. Is that correct? That's correct. Good morning. Yes, I wanted to show you the car first, Michelle, so you could talk with me with some knowledge so that you've also experienced it, because otherwise I talk about something that you might not have seen. So we'll try and make it happen. Um, but I am driving the Jaguar I-Pace. Um, but I think it's, uh, you know, electric cars, a lot of time um, people talk about them or have opinions about them, but um, your, uh, the opinion changes immediately once you've seen one or once you've driven in one. Yeah. Um, and that sort of, uh, that experience makes a big difference to people's perception. Even my perception was like that. I was, I was sort of going electric cars, I'm not so sure. And once I've driven an electric car, my mind was changed. And that's, I think, the feeling with electric cars. You know, once you drive in them and you see what they're like, or you feel the acceleration or how quiet they are, and your mind changes. So I'm sorry to do this, but um, next week we'll be talking in depth about the Jaguar I-Pace. So I must say the one thing about um, electric cars is, and I, I think it was a BMW that I was driving, not driving, but in, is is that weird feeling of like there being no sound. Yeah, it's, it's almost like the car's moving uh, and there's an invisible hand pushing it um, along. But um, yesterday, when, uh, uh, it makes a sound on the outside, which I didn't realize um, yesterday. Somebody said to me, hang on, you know, there's, a, there's like a, a weird sound on the outside to warn people. And so if you're standing outside, it has this futuristic chime or music to it that people on the outside can hear it because also pedestrians don't hear the car because there's no engine. Oh, so, that, so it's like a bit musical. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a bit. I have to actually get the car to idle and then stand outside so I can describe it because I'm sitting inside driving, so I don't really know what it sounds like on the outside. So, I think you might, you, have know, to, you might have to just go out with your WhatsApp at some point and just record it and send us the WhatsApp recording of the music. We'd like to hear yeah, that. Okay, I'll try and send you a little link of what the sound is. Yeah. Um, but it's quite cool. Okay, so we're going to go to that next week. But before mm-hmm. we go to the car that you are going to talk about, I just want to quickly mm-hmm. roll through with a question that has come up. Um, Bob in Volcom says, Hi, Michelle and Petrolhead. I used to service my W204. I don't even know what a W204 it's is. It's a Mercedes-Benz. Oh, oh, it's a Mercedes-Benz. At least twice a year after 15,000 kilometers. Now I don't drive that much. I haven't served it since October last year. It hasn't clocked 15,000 marks yet. I mean, I know that because none of us are really driving as much as we did. Um, do I service it now or do I wait until the 15,000 kilometers service mark? The engine is a bit dusty. How would Bob know that the engine is a bit dusty? Dusty? Maybe just, I mean, when you open the bonnet, the engine's a bit dusty because the car isn't driving. Um, well, I think it's, I, I don't know. It's, it, 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 you, it looks like you were looking after the car all the time. Um, so servicing the car every 15,000. Um, most manufacturers, how they work is they have, uh, let's say you have a service plan, they would say after either one year, or 15,000 kilometers, yeah. either one. But So I don't know how much kilometers the car has driven. Um, uh, has it driven very little? 
Um, because otherwise, if it's driven very little, I guess it's okay. But you would still need to drive it. I don't know what the battery state would be because the battery would run down. The car's standing a lot. The, the tires might get flat spots. Um, also, rubbers need to move. Um, bits need to move in the engine and lubricate themselves. So and not a bad idea to anyway have a look at the car if it's standing and not driving. Um, there can be no harm in it, Michelle. It depends on how much money you want to spend. Yeah. But there's, there's no harm in doing this. If you're really looking after the car, you, it's not going to be a bad thing. It probably can only be a good thing, but it depends on if you want to spend the money. Okay, well, Bob and Velkom, I hope that answers your question. So don't forget, if you'd like to get your questions answered, you're welcome to SMS or WhatsApp to us. But we're going to go into your choice car today. Nico. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I misunderstood that completely. So we're talking about the Toyota Rumion, um, and effectively that's a seven-seat vehicle. So there's actually a lot of South Africans out there that, is look, that are looking for an entry-level vehicle, so the entry-level side of, of the, the price range, um, and they need a seven-seater because their family is a little bit bigger, um, or they like, you know, um, so then there's a few choices. I mean, it's not as the range of uh, options are not as broad as with, let's say, just a hatch. So effectively, um, something like a Suzuki Ertiga is, is a good option. Um, the Toyota Avanza, although that's getting quite old now, and the, the Mitsubishi uh, Exp- Expander, and then what was the fourth one? It was the, Suzuki, uh, the Renault Triber. Those are sort of the four vehicles that you can look at. Now, Toyota's just launched the uh, Rumion, which is really actually based on the Suzuki Ertiga. So if you see both cars, you'll see what, you know, if you just look at images of, of the cars, they're very similar. So um, I think the big thing here is that it's a seven-seater that's more based on the practicality of seven-seats as opposed to necessarily a good-looking vehicle that, uh, you know, that's going to turn all the heads when you're driving around. It has a um, uh, normally aspirated engine um, that develops 77 kilowatts and 138 newtons, um, fuel consumption 6.2 liters per 100 kilometers, and then comes in three ranges. Um, it has an entry-level S. Um, that's the basic ver- version with 15-inch wheels and black bumpers, um, air conditioning and dual airbags and anti-lock brakes. The next level up is the SX, so that's a bit more expensive. Now it has a four-speaker sound system, USB, um, color, uh, USB um, um, connection for your phone or charger, um, chrome door handles, um, remote central locking, um, and multifunction steering wheel. And then if you want the top range, that's the TX. Now you get 15-inch alloy wheels and keyless entry, um, fake wood on the dashboard, which I, most of, I think most of the time that actually looks quite horrible. A very nice touchscreen infotainment system, Apple CarPlay, and Android Auto. So I think definitely if you're looking for a seven-seater, there's another option in the market um, to consider. The prices of the start at 245000 for the, the S I just mentioned. The SX, which is the second level, 273, and the top of the range, um, the TX, 301,000 rand. So, okay, so did you did you get a, a, t- a test on it? Did you get a drive unfortunately, on it? I, no, unfortunately, I haven't driven it yet, so I can't really, um, con- uh, you know, tell you anything about what the ride is like or what the engine is like. I uh, thought, so let me just tell you, you know, this is the range or this is the vehicle that is available out there in the market. So if you're considering a seven-seater, um, as I said, you know, if I look at the, you know, uh, the images of inside and outside, styling-wise, it's not, it's okay. It's maybe not the most stylish car out there. Um, I would say, actually, if you look at the, the Mitsubishi Expander, it's probably a little bit more stylish, a little bit different. And even the Renault Triber, which both of them are seven-seaters, their styling looks a little bit more 
sort of newer or more interesting. But if you want the backup of Kyoto with lots of dealerships all around the country um, and that peace of mind, then definitely this is a seven-seater you can consider. Okay, and uh, how do we know anything about uh, the speed, like how fast? What is you, know, you know, well, it's not really going to be uh, a car that uh, is going to break the land speed record. Not that you want to break the land speed record. 77 kilowatts with 138 newtons, I think it's okay. But if you've got seven people <laughs> in there with luggage, speed. It, it's, it's, it's not going to be fast. It's going yeah. to be okay. But again, if you look at the price uh, where it starts at 245,000 a rand, you know, if you're looking for a seven-seater, then um, it's actually a good entry to the market where it's not not that well. Still a lot of money, but not that expensive. And then you have a few few options to to look at. So yeah, just consider it if you're looking at uh, a seven-seater vehicle. It sounds like a good one. You know, Nico, I'm wondering: is surely more and more and more we should start seeing um, hybrid cars coming in, or do you think that that's still a far cry for us here in South Africa? I know I keep yeah, that's harping a, that's on about a, it. Well, no, no, it's fine. I think that the problem is just the price um, point mm. of these cars. So electric cars, I think you're probably at the entry level, around about 800,000 rands. I think probably that's where the first electric car starts. Remember, this is the start of the technology. So if you look at like cell phones, initially not everybody had cell phones. Um, and eventually, um, now all of us have cell phones. And I think that's where the motoring manufacturers are going to. Um, the battery technology is expensive. Um, so... We're not really going to see entry-level cars in the or electric cars rather um, in the entry-level market. I think soon. Um, hopefully, that would be the case because, um, as I said before, I'm a big fan of electric cars. But maybe they're not. The market isn't there yet. They tend to be more on the top end of the range of of cars that you can buy. Right there, we go. So uh, if you're looking at it, it's a very nice-looking car. You have to admit, hey. Yes, it's, I think it's okay. I, I, well, You're not you know, jumping. I think <laughs> I, no, I, I think it's okay. I think it's, you know, it's not ugly, but I wouldn't call it pretty, but I think it's practical. Um, as I said, just the one thing I hate is that top range one. Toyota sometimes goes with this fake wood stuff. That is just horrible. That is my opinion, by the way. I want to say this clearly. But any fake wood, just rather leave it out. Either put full wood or proper wood or, you know, leave the fake stuff out. It doesn't look great. But as I said, I think price-wise, is that, it's a good... Where, where exactly is that fakie woody? So it's on the dash, a little bit on the on the bottom side of the steering wheel, and then on the dash, you know, where, the, where it links the left and right-hand side, um, it's got wood. Um, as I said, a fake wood, but... Uh, uh, okay, let's move on. So I have an interesting <laughs> question. Um, somebody said to me, listen, if trucks are limited to... Like, you know, this person said trucks are limited to 80 k's an hour... What? Uh, on the highway. Trucks. I don't think it's really true. Yeah, trucks. Oh, trucks. Truck, you know, like a frachmutter. Um, and he said to me, why um, Why don't we limit buckies? Also, why don't buckies have a speed limit where you say, listen, a bucky can't go faster than 130 um, because, you know, some people are driving quite dangerous. But, you know, and, but I don't think actually it's a, it's a good idea to limit vehicle speed um, because I think, um, you know, there's a lot of people um, that are driving in dangerous ways, and of course, speed is a contributing factor. But a lot of the time, just the, the style, the way we drive, I think is dangerous, like following distance. If I drive on the highway and I look at people driving around me, most cars are too close. Um, in Germany, um, you don't only get fines for speed, but they have little arrows on the autobahn and cameras. And if you are driving too close to the car in front, you'll actually get a ticket for that. 
Um, and people uh, in Pretoria, where I live, people jumping uh, traffic lights, red ones, all the time. That's also dangerous. Yeah. So wide won't also work in a bucky. Sometimes let's say you're overtaking a, a long truck. So you, the truck's going fairly slowly. It's now been a while since you can get past. Now there's a bit of space and the, 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 you've got a dotted line so you can pass, but um, you want to get there quickly. If you limit the car to 130, as you go to 130, suddenly the car is not accelerating more. So there are actually instances when you are passing a slower car when you might get to 140 or even 150 as you're passing before you slack down again. That actually does happen. So I don't think it's a good idea to limit the speed of vehicles. I think mm. it's more about our attitudes probably as drivers um, yeah. uh, and uh, us considering um, you know, other drivers and the rules, sticking to the rules of the road. Um, so it would be good, in my opinion, if law enforcement wasn't just always targeting people that are driving at speed, which I think is not a good idea to drive fast anyway, but also look at the way we drive. And if you're driving dangerously, you should also get a ticket. Okay, doke. So we've got a question. And very slowly, by the way, opposite as well. If you're driving very slowly, if it's a, if it's a highway, it's 120 k's an hour and you're doing 80, you are just as dangerous as the guy doing 160. So, so talking about uh, doing 80, Krista says, uh, Hi, Nico, can you please enlighten an old lady? Krista, no one is old. They are just older. She says, is it more difficult to steal a car that has a card and a start button compared to one with an, igni- with an ignition key? So is it more difficult to steal a car with a card? Um, well, in other words, um, a car and a start button as opposed to one with a key. I actually think, unfortunately, it, it's not necessarily, um, it, or the, not unfortunately, but I think the, the type of car that you have and the, the, the um, system in the car also makes, makes a difference. Um, I see we, uh, we tend to have um, a lot less cars that are being broken into nowadays. You know, if you watch a movie, yes. then the guy breaks the window, then he's under the dash and he's got some wires out and he's plugging two wires together and there's a little, like a little spark and, and the car starts and off they go. That ain't the case anymore. Um, so cars have very complicated immobilizer systems, most of them. So um, normally what happens is when they break into cars, so if you at a shopping center, one of the tricks that, that they do is that they would sneak up to the back of the car. Let's say you're sitting in the front right, the back left. Yeah. And then as you're getting out, they just open your back door a little bit. Then when you lock the car, um, the car isn't locked um, uh, because that door is open. Then they steal the stuff from your car. So most of the time when your car is stationary, they're not stealing the car really, except if it's a very old car. The new ones, the immobilizers are good. They're really breaking into the car and seeing what is in the back of your car. And if your laptop is there, then they might steal that. Where, when cars are moving, that's why hijackings are happening because it's easier to steal a car at traffic light and drive away as opposed to trying to start it from a shopping center. So in other words, my answer is if you have a newer car, the immobilizer systems are pretty good and it's not that easy just to steal them like you do in the movies. Okay, Christine, I hope that that uh, clarifies things for you a little. Nico, we are obviously moving into uh, December and if lockdown level one remains and we don't go into wave four, I imagine that people are going to want to start going to different places and start thinking about maybe traveling by hand. So, by car, sorry, not by hand. (laughs) No one's going to be traveling by hand. Um, Well, I suppose you could be, but that's a different thing altogether. So let us talk about very briefly what people should start thinking about now as we move towards that period of time. 
Well, um, I think you, if you're going to travel a longer distance and you haven't, you, uh, if you've been in lockdown all the time and the car hasn't driven um, or done any driving or long driving for a long time, then you need to consider just, you know, maybe it's time for a, for a service. Um, the batteries, especially because you're not driving, batteries are sort of not always getting back to their full charge. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a bad idea if you start considering, you know, having a service now. Even if you service the car now, it'll still be ready for December. So that's something to, to, to take into consideration if you're going away. Have, maybe have a look at the start of, state of your tires and start planning and, you know, maybe saving for that as well because tire, buying four tires or even two is not a cheap exercise. So have a look at the state of your tires and say, okay, you know, maybe I'll make this December or, you know what, they're going to run out um, before December. So let's put a little bit of money aside in the next two months if we can mm. so we can put new tires on before we go away. So those are, some people actually like to buy a new car. Uh, you know, they're in a great position. Jeez. I know I'm not. But they want to buy a new car before they go away on holiday. So that's also something that you can consider then. Start looking at the options of cars. Um, especially people that are wrecked and people that do a lot of long-distance driving or drive very far in a year. Now is a good time to buy a car as well, by the way. So if you Why? do – because let's say you do 40,000 Ks in a year. Yeah. If you buy the car in December um, – then it's registered as a 2001. So next year, December, the car would have done 40,000 Ks. Now, even though the car's done 40,000 Ks, in theory, it's two years because 2001 and 2002, it looks like two years. So it, it, on paper, you've done uh, 40,000 Ks in two years, although you've really practically only done it in a year from December to December. So if you're a rep and driving a lot of long distance, the end of the year is the best time to buy a car. Oh, well, there you go. You learn something new all the way. Uh, yeah, so I mean, um, for, for me as well, going away um, is already also planning a trip. You know, if you're driving further, let's say you're going down to the coast, which I think a lot of people are doing, um, and if you can afford it, sometimes to make the trip a two-day trip really makes it worthwhile. Um, where you're stopping over halfway uh, at places you've never been to, um, it also makes it much more relaxing, um, your drive. If you Instead of trying to do it in one day, and, um, you can get quite tired. If you drive and you go, listen, I'm going to go half distance or a little bit further, um, then the next day is, a, is an easier jump. Um, you're a lot more relaxed already when you get to your destination. Um, and also you start to see the country. I think a lot of people um, just go from, from Gauteng, of course, to the coast, and they miss the beautiful countryside in between because we just drive past it. So I think that's something to consider as well, um, is to book a place halfway or in between. We always do that every year. We go down and we stop halfway or even a little bit further, and that makes it for a nice trip. Uh, very briefly, Nico, I mean, um, you, you talk about new cars, but is it a good thing to take a new car on a long road trip? Well, oh, that's such a great question, Michelle. Actually, cars have to be run in every 1,500 kilometers, for 1,500 kilometers. So in an ideal world, um, if you're running in your car, you should actually be driving it stop, go, stop, go, and um, in town to get the 1,500 kilometers done. But, it, you know, some cars might be 1,000. It does actually depend on the car, the owner's manual. But a lot of manufacturers actually say that you need to run in your new car. And the worst is actually towing long distance. So the worst you could probably do for a new car is to hook a caravan and just drive long distance. The best is actually just normal stop-go traffic until you get to that magical number, which is, could be 1,000 or 1,500 kilometers. But that's easy owner's manual. Um, because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people at the dealerships or salespeople might not even actually know that. So the back of the owner's manual normally, you just look for running in. And that has a recommendation of running in your car. Even now, if you're doing nothing after the, um, you know, if you have a break later, 
Let's go have a look at your car's owner manual, owner's manual. doesn't matter how many Ks it's on, and you'll see that a lot of cars have a running in time. That's it. That's our Nico. Next week, he's really talking electric. Electrifying. All right, 9 o'clock, time for the news. Good morning.